Our podcast guest today is Michael Dixon. His own definition, a musician by trade, gypsy by nature, fierce nonconformist, and prolific anti-perfectionist. Just finding out how he chose the spelling of his own name as a student will give you insight into the creative thinking of Michael. He's super high energy, I really enjoyed this chat, and we delve into his book, Everyday Creative, which helps organizations understand how they need to unlock creativity in their people to remain competitive in this fast-changing world. You're going to enjoy this one. Michael Jackson, welcome along to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. It's great to be here. Hey, look, uh, absolute pleasure. Let's uh, start off with maybe a slightly um, quirky question. You're Michael, M-Y-K-E-L, not a common spelling of the, of the name. Where does that originate from? It originates from me in high school, being bored and looking out the window uh, and, and doodling on the side of, you know, your, 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 the maths book in the margin there, back when, you know, when we actually had books and we wrote with pencils and stuff, not with iPads. Uh, and I, I was really into symmetry, you know, I'd always draw things that looked almost like the, um, you know, the Buddhist stuff where there, there's like you know, circles on squares. Yes, on, yes, yes. And uh, always very symmetrical. And then I used to mess around with the letters of my name and I, I was born with the original spelling, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And I went, oh, what would M-Y-K-E-L-D-I-X? I went five letters, five letters. That feels kind of nice. And then along comes um, the internet and then along comes URLs. And at this time, I was trying to be a rock star and, and a muso and all these kind of things. And there was a lawyer in South Carolina in the States that managed to secure MichaelDixon.com, the original spelling. And I just had a hunch. I don't think he's going to give that up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went, nah, what, yeah, why don't I do MYKEL? And at the time, you know, it fitted with the, with the rock and roll life and whatever else. It's just kind of stuck. Nice. I like it. Uh, yeah. A man who crea- creates his own outcomes. And I think uh, that's something you've done through the course of your, your life. Uh, person that's pushed the boundaries. Um, what a, a fierce nonconformist! I think is something you describe yourself as. Yeah, it's true. And you know, I it's like a really, that. it's an interesting point. You know, even thinking about that with the name, um, there's a, there's a very literal, what's the word, example, of of you claiming your life and then making it what you want to be, which is to literally change your name. Even mm-hmm. if it's just the spelling, and I think that yeah. there was a there was a deeper subtlety around that for me personally, where I thought, mm-hmm. you know, this is my life, and I get to write it however I want to write it, and that even comes down to how I spell it. And I'll be honest, when I did it, I had a lot of people calling me pretentious, you know, and oh, who does he think he is, and all kinds of naughty words. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just go, you know what? It's not it's not your name. It's not your life. How does that matter to you? So it's, mm. it was quite, in, in some funny, subtle, very intimate, personal way, it's, it's almost a reminder every day of like, yeah, this is, you, you can live life on your terms, Mike. So it's quite yeah. subtle yeah. and in, beautiful in a way. I like that. Uh, I don't know if you've come across a uh, book by uh, Palliative Care News called Bronnie Ware called The Top Five Regrets of the, of the Dying. Love She's it, amazing. great book. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of one of her uh, regrets that she highlights is that living the life you want to live, not the life others expect you to. It's and incredible. I, uh, I think we're going to get some good examples of you on on this one. <laughs> yeah, and isn't the is is the number one reason um, that I work too much? I know in the five, there's I work too much, isn't there? Mm-hmm. there Which is, is interesting because yeah. I mean, a lot of the context I'm sure of the conversation we're going to have is around work and how how we can make it more meaningful to us and more beautiful in whatever way. But it's an interesting context for this conversation of uh, if one of the top five things people talk about when they die is, oh, geez, I work too much. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to look at this whole thing. Yeah, and I think that was an interesting outcome of the uh, COVID lockdown. And fortunately, you know, I'm uh, we're having this discussion for me in New Zealand, you in Australia. Um, our realities are slightly different at the moment. And uh, but it was certainly one of the uh, reflections of people out of lockdown was like, you know, what actually taking having a less busy life, um, having maybe less time focused on um, not 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 work, but just the periphery of what goes on around work and kind of allowing life to become busy mm. and not sort of taking charge of it was a, a good reflection for many people. I think. Have you? Can I ask you a question, Ryan? Sure. Because we all, you know us intelligent folk out there, at least we like to think we are, we talk about these things, you know, in abstract and we talk about them as though we know we need to do them. But have you made any actual changes in your life as a result of COVID where you thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not just going to talk about that anymore. I'm going to start or stop 
doing X, Y, Z? The, the biggest one that we took on as an entire uh, team is that we went from essentially a business that was predominantly five days a week in the office um, to we now two days a week in the office and three days from, from home. That's fantastic. And, you know, and a, and a, yeah, little things that you took no notice of previously and then suddenly things like spending time driving to work, I was like, well, how's this adding any value to what, to what I do? Um, we knew that the answer wasn't to spend uh, no time in the office because I think that collaboration still works mm. best when you're face-to-face. Uh, team culture is really hard to build digitally. Mm. Uh, I think you know, face-to-face time is still valued, but we're like, hey, we think we can probably pull that off a couple of days a week rather mm. than, than all five. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's been a, a change that uh, the whole team's taken on board and uh, seems to be working pretty well so far. It's such a beautiful uh, example of how chaos or how you know, a, a tragedy or an unexpected event can be a catalyst for radical positive transformation. Even the subtleties of like driving in, what is the value in this? Okay, maybe I listen to a podcast, but really all I'm doing is contributing to traffic and yep. climate change and mm-hmm. sitting on my bum, mm-hmm. you know, I could be walking yes. around the block and then sitting on my ass all day, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. Good. Now, uh, musician by trade, mm-hmm. gypsy by nature. That's right. Give us a give us a quick update. Where's the where's the musical career at? For, uh, well, it's still there. So I use music a lot in the work that I do now with leaders and teams and organisations and stuff like that. I started the piano that I've got sitting next to me. Actually, it's um, my parents brought that home when I was five years old, and I was instantly just fixated by it. Like, what is this fascinating thing? And uh, I remember my first ever piano teacher, she you know, was just learning where the notes are on the page and where they are on the keyboard and whatever else. Um, I took, I remember it, w- it would have been the second or third lesson that I'd ever have when I was five and I still remember it. And I went home and I turned over the, the page of writing, you know, with the three notes on, on that she gave me, learn this. I flipped it over and went, yeah, I'm going to write my own. And I made nice. my answer and I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's supposed to do that and look like that. And I'd have to find, I'd love it if my mum or someone kept that because it would be quite cool to see again. But it, it just, it was another, it was a gift of, here's a whole nother language. Here's a whole nother way that you can feel things deeply and that you can express yourself that isn't, that isn't, you know, through your, through words, through, yes. you know, um, mm-hmm. and it just felt it was so emotive and so sensory and so overwhelming to me that it just stayed with my life. That wasn't, I didn't have plans to become a professional musician. I ended up becoming one. I always wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be on stage and stuff like that. But I, again, a really great mentor, one of my, the best teachers that I had when I was young, he was a phenomenal guy called Kim Perling. And he, he meant so much more than just, teaching me piano he represented a lifestyle he was cool and he drove a little fiat and he would he had six gigs a week and you know you'd go out and see him on a weeknight my parents let me go out and i'd watch him work the room you know he'd go sit at one table and get a bottle Mm -hmm. for them and then Mm -hmm. he'd be talking to the manager and he'd get some drinks for them and then he's calling people request a song and he does that for them right after he does one for someone else and it's just all class and and i thought man that I don't know what that is, but I want that. I want to be that. I want that in my life. There's something, something cool and uh, unconventional yes. about it. So, so yeah. you know, and, and running parallel to that um, was this other, and I think, again, maybe it did stem from the music in some part as well. I think growing up, I grew up in Adelaide, which is not a big town, um, and then we moved to Port Augusta, which is a very small town, and Port Lincoln, which is a, also a small little fishing town. And I think just the small town vibe of like, hey, I'm listening to this music and there's, it sounds to me like there's a world out there that isn't where I am, you know, with, with people of colour, you mm-hmm. know, that have been making music from the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. and whoa, what is this yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and these sounds and i got to go find that. I want to check this out. So at the moment that I could, you know, pretty much 18th birthday, I was like, okay, ticket out of here. I'm gone. And, and then it just kept happening. Every couple of years, I'd go away for two or three years on some kind of spiritual sabbatical, find myself, lose myself, you know, addicted to the rush of, of moving around this planet on your feet. 
um, which has served me well, you know. I thoroughly recommend it. I hope that we can get through these lockdowns and find a, a really ecologically sound way of moving around the planet because I think that there's so much value for us in being in new environments and learning from other cultures. Totally. Yeah, it opens so much uh, thinking to, as an individual just being exposed to other cultures and uh, all sorts of aspects, talking talking to people, experiencing their food, their music, yes. their, their environments. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a, um, an overload, but a good one. Really it's makes amazing. you uh, time to think. You know, and even as you were saying that, you think about how that shows up in work. You know, where are the times that you, that you have some of the most important conversations with your <laughs> colleagues or with a client is over lunch? Or it's a dinner. It's after the leadership offsite, and you're having a drink, and you go out for a nice meal. That's when the magic happens. You know, there's these, there's these, this technology, or there's there's a way of being that we've been doing for tens of thousands of years. We come together. We we music. You know, we congregate. We shit, break bread. Leveraging those things in in the modern workplace is still, it's still a very mm. wise idea. Mm. So have we taken the uh, industrialization, automation, have we taken, uh, you know, trying to do everything lean, you know, no waste, you know, almost there's, there's no time for the, the discussion which might lead to some creative idea. It's all about have we nailed the next, next task? Have we taken that too far? 100%. We can see that in, in our health you know, and well-being. We can see that in, I think we can see it in our, the loss of nuance I think that both, you know, in New Zealand and Australia, we have indigenous cultures that are so rich. And I mean, New Zealand certainly got a, um, a better relationship, you know, and it's more, it's just valued more. It's upfront. It's part of who you are. And that's, it's really, we need to really look at that in Australia, mm. but there's just, there's a, there's an understanding and a respect of country and there's a, an awareness of the intelligence moving around the world that's in that's baked into the earth you know and the seasons and the ocean and the rivers and how we're all part of this stuff when we're just trying to exploit and extract value you know out of the earth or out of each other or out of an hour how can this meeting be super productive there's no it's unnatural because life is not it life is not efficient you know in some ways like you could you you could say that it is in some ways and in others, there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of experimentation and a lot of, a lot of just percolating and just simmering and just sitting in it. And like, like I'm sure we can agree. Every one of your listeners can agree. There were times that you, you would have had many times in your life when you were going, you were meant to leave a conversation mm -hmm. or a meeting or an event mm -hmm. or something. And you just, for some reason, you stuck around a little longer and then something happened. And you were like, man, I'm glad we didn't leave. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. You know, again, using a music example. Oh, quick, let's go before the last song because we want to get out of the car park early. Oh, but did you hear? He ended up coming back on with an acoustic guitar and playing for another hour. What do you mean? And, and that was Springsteen, the best bit, yeah. And that was the best, yeah. And then yeah. Bruce, we were just calling covers for the next, you know, 45 minutes. What? Oh, my God, what? why did you leave? because you were so intent on being efficient and getting yes. back home and, and, and I really, on the list? that's, that's it, yeah. man. And, and I think that there's a real danger here that we're also role modeling for our kids because the nuance being able to see and feel context and, and the subtleties in a conversation of what's behind what someone's saying, or even the, that's uh, why I love jazz so much. There's so much going on and people, it, you, you kind of have to work to love it. You've got to lean into it. You've got to, you've got to bring yourself to it. It's not just going to do it all for you. And um, we're losing that art. There's a really great article by a guy. His name escapes me now. Um, it was in the, the New York Times a few years ago called The, Tyner the Tyranny of Inconvenience. Tyranny of Convenience, sorry. And it was right. talking about right. how we've made our yes. lives so convenient yes. and productive and efficient. And mm -hmm. we're losing, you know, the art of taking the scenic route and of mm. surprise collisions and of serendipitous moments because we're all trying to get there by 7.15 to do the yeah. thing with our macros and with our green yeah. smoothie. And, mm. and uh, I think uh, technology, particularly uh, the mobile device, um, it prevents conversation. You know, it, 
yep, and, and I'm going to I'm going to sound like an old man here, and that's okay. Uh, but you know, back in the day, you'd be waiting at the bus stop, and you actually maybe talk to some other people at the bus stop and find out what was going on, and that would lead to more enriched conversations. Now I, you know, predominantly drive past the bus stop, but uh, looking at looking at um, you know the seven people standing there, every single one of them is just head down in their phone. Uh, no, no connection, no social connection going going on at all. Um, we spend all this more. we spend all this time on social media, um, but the social connection is uh, escaping us. And you know what? And, and I'll be really honest. Here's a here's a funny thing that happened to me this morning. So I'm finally going back to the gym. It's been a good eighteen months, and man, am I sore! So I've been three times this week. And, good on uh, you. I couldn't I couldn't lift my arms yesterday. It was just like, oh my god, what is going on? But I got there this morning, you know, 6 a.m. It's misty, cold morning over here. And um, I, I know exactly what you're saying. So you're in a gym and there's music playing and everyone's got their headphones in. So they're already disengaged from the people around them. But people do a set, you know, of weights. And the moment they put down the weights, they pick up their phone. So then I started doing it, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's just, you know, what you do. And then I, 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 was, I was almost ashamed I was like, oh, my God. It's like the people that complain about the traffic when they're on the road. You are the traffic. You know, and I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm always a God, people just, they look at their phone too much. And yet there I was putting down the dumbbells and picking up my phone to look at what? Yeah. What did I really need in that yeah. moment? Yeah, nothing. I have a, a parallel kind of experience. I used to attend a, a gym, uh, very successful. They delivered a great service, but there was no personal connection there. Almost to the point that if you tried to talk to someone else at the gym, they were like, uh, I think you must be a weirdo or are you trying to pick me up? I'm like, no, it was neither of those. I was just trying to have a conversation um, and have uh, for the last nearly six years uh, been to a, to a gym where uh, the community aspect is, is huge. Um, yeah. You know everybody in the, in the class, mm. uh, you, know, you know about them, uh, you work out, you say g'day and mm. you know, for that reason alone, I, I just love the love the difference. It's made a real, real difference to my uh, to you know, my um, yeah, not so much the exercise bit because I feel like I was getting the pure physical uh, aspect of that of that elsewhere. But certainly the community connection has been been huge. It's so beautiful in that that so many of these um, you know a sense of belonging and a sense of community can be baked into a business model now. Mm-hmm. And it's the most effective way, you know, if you've got a gym or a, t- or a culture like yours with the team that you're working with or, or a large-scale organisation, Microsoft, whatever, if, you, if, if people bring a real focus and intention to, okay, forget the buzzwords, what if we really worked on just making people feel like they were a part of something meaningful and that they were valued and that, that uh, we were interested and that we weren't just waiting for them to finish a sentence so we could say what we needed to say. We're actually just curiously engaged in the people around us. We don't have to be best friends forever, but just how can we create a spirit of that in our business or with our clients? Mm-hmm. And they win every time. Yeah. Thriving. Engagement, yeah. brand loyalty, shareholder return, whatever metric you want to measure it on. The people that, um, that are focused on creating great experiences for humans, surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah are thriving. Okay. So, Michael, on that tag, imagine I'm a uh, HR leader inside a business. We've got a few hundred employees. Um, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm nodding. I'm going, that's exactly the kind of thing I want to create. I feel like we've uh, lost the essence of our culture as, as people. We're all about the task, the bottom line. And, you know, I'm... Uh, I think fair to say a capitalist by nature. I think, you know, we need business, we need to make yeah. profits, we need to make those things, but not at the cost of other, other aspects. But if I was that HR leader, um, where would you start me off on my path of trying to bring back some of that connection and experience with, with the uh, teams in my organisation? I, th- I think everyone needs an experience first and foremost, particularly even with some of the work I'm doing now with virtual events and whatever else. But if you, if you want to shake people out of the mindset that they're in, or the way that they perceive the world. We forget that how much we're driven by habit and confirmation bias and, and we've got these you know, neurological pathways that are pretty set. So we have an idea of what work is. And we can go and hear a keynote or we can read a book or listen to a podcast and go, oh, that sounds good. But then we get back to our sit down at our desk and the same thing. So really, habit. yeah, exactly. To really shake people up 
you need to give them an experience much like what COVID has done for a lot of people. So, whoa, okay. This is not just a passing thought here. This has really changed things for the, for the forever. So I do a lot of the work I do would be to design. It could be one day or it could be more than that, but, uh, but something that actually moves people emotionally that has nothing to do with work, but it, it, you come at them as though it's work and, and that kind of stuff, but they, they can't help but be, but, but be emotionally moved. They're stirred in some way. Something awakens within them that's been dormant or they haven't ever heard before where they think, whoa, hang on, I, I didn't know that we could do it this way or I didn't know that was possible in this organisation. I didn't know I could be that vulnerable with my colleagues. I haven't been vulnerable yet, but watching Trish do it means that maybe I could. You know, sure. like, whoa, something's got to shift. And then right after that, what tends to happen, we've had these experiences, people then go back and like we just said, they'll you just get back in the grind again, but you've got to design. I like to call it a constellation of experiences where mm -hmm. right after that, you've got it like the following week, there's got to be a follow-up and not in a meeting room with no natural light and shitty coffee, but actually what's another experience? How can we keep, keep delicately sophisticated, you know, um, pathway for just, nipping people on, on the on the edges of their day-to-day -day experience at work with like oh maybe i can do that oh maybe there's a little more color oh there's a little more plants in the office oh there's a little more just these little subtle things that are all experiential but then that's going to start to to shape the whole the whole thing like people everyone around that will start feeling that and the energy the collective energy of like hmm, this is starting to feel different here then you can, you can start taking the conversations even further. You can start getting a few more people buying into this. Maybe some more sponsors. Oh, maybe we should give some more budget to that. You know, but, but I think, um, yeah, I don't know if it... So, well, give us a couple of examples, maybe some organisations you've worked with. What have been these types of experiences you've helped build, build for them? So one that comes to mind, because I've got a meeting with her later today, actually, it was a couple of years ago now. It was a big, uh, it's a big, uh, well, they're a multinational kind of tech firm. Um, great business, amazing CEO. And, and we did an event with their leadership team. So they were like, okay, we haven't really done a big cultural event in Australia yet, but we know we need to. We're growing fast. They were about 150 employees at the time down here. I don't know, 10,000 globally. But we, we know we need to do something here and um, we want it to be different. We're young, we're fresh, we're progressive. We want it to be... Um, People have, there's some, you know, younger workers that haven't done this kind of thing before. There's some older workers that have done a bit more traditional stuff. We're kind of giving you a, a free reign here, Mike, you know, blank slate. Okay, cool. So then let's start with the leadership team. There's 12 of us. And we did a full day event where we really focused on all of this stuff. A lot of content that got them reconnected to who they were when they were kids or mm -hmm. what they aspired to be, you know, when they were teens or whatever. Just really thinking, reminding them of what, why they work, what's important to them, their values, getting them to, to really connect with, yeah, that's right. This is my life. I'm not, I'm not on the way to something. Yes. Like right here and now is it. And, and remembering I want to do that and then, and then drawing the, connecting the dots between this is how you want to feel and this is the difference you want to make and this is the, the role and responsibility you have right now in this organisation. How can you marry the two? Because today is it. You know, there's no tomorrow. We, we can do this today. And, you know, we ended that day. It was very experiential. We, we had a beautiful lunch where, um, you know, everyone toasted to each other. And there's, mm -hmm. a, there's, a, there's an experience that a friend of mine created that where we do, everyone would do a toast and they'd share something with the group that they've never shared with anyone before. Very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But, yes. you, gotta, you know, yes. create that context. And the last person, um, it's implied that the last person has to sing their toast. And so obviously that's terrifying. So people are trying to time their toasts you know, without going too quickly. <laughs> but then the last guy, you know, I remember specifically, he, um, he jumped up. He was actually from South America and he got up and sang La Bamba with Phil, my mate, who was on guitar. And it was just this incredible, like it's 1 p.m. And there's a, you know, the, the senior um, marketing executive is la, 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 Bamba, you know, running around the, the table. And then, we, you know, that, that was that end and that was amazing, but it was like, okay, great. So we've now created, we've really connected the team. We've got you connected to what's important to you and what matters and what, how, you can, how you can use this organisation and the challenges that, that are in front of you as a platform for you 
to find meaning and fulfillment in your personal life. Now we've got to give that experience to everyone else in the whole team. Mm. So then we're going to design an event, but I'm not going to just be the guy that comes in and does it for you because that's what we're used to. Let's just get, a, you know, an advertising agency to do the, to do the ad. Let's get a consultant to come in and tell us how to lift engagement. Let's get a facilitator yes. to come. Yeah. No, we're co-creating this so that there's more mm -hmm. ownership on them and more mm -hmm. responsibility and accountability because I leave that yeah. they work there every day. So they were all on for that. Okay, cool. So let's design a two day experience for everyone. Again, they haven't done it before, but these, these leaders that you know, it was a real theme of like, they need to set the tone for everyone else. So they've really got to be brave and willing to be vulnerable and all that stuff. And so we wrote a song and we had costumes and we did a bunch of stuff. And then when we did the big event with the whole team, they performed it, you know, with my band and they were up there and there was a lot of sharing. There was a lot of tactile stuff. People, we were on bean bags and it just, it felt very appropriate for that company. Organization, yeah. You wouldn't do that for, a, you know, a bunch of senior leaders. Or so I have, to be honest, I've done it with yeah. just about everyone that, you know, whatever the, the environment needs. But off the back of that, and everyone's, oh my God, I can't believe I worked for this company. This is just incredible. Then it's like, okay, so now it, we get to rituals and habits and weekly catch-ups that aren't just sitting in a meeting room going through the agenda. It's how are we still going to bring this light and this energy and this vibe and who's going to be custodians of that? And how mm -hmm. can we build a, a, like an emerge or a pipeline of these emerging leaders that aren't the traditional leaders that, that just that we're used to, but how can we build cultural leadership that maybe, maybe isn't in job title, but certainly is in influence and the way that they are in an organization. Um, and it's a lot of work, man. Like it's, it, and it should be a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's not something that we, I think I, I really feel for HR. Like I got all the time in the world for HR, people and culture, L and D, OD, just the people that are dealing with the humans mm -hmm. because geez, we're a complex, messy mixed up you know kind of entity yep. and and we need a whole lot of love and attention and and focused energy and uh and even more so now when like you said earlier with the automation artificial intelligence doing increasingly more and more of the work we're going to need more of this stuff absolutely and <clears throat> devil's advocate for a moment uh you've been in you've spoken to the hr team they've got michael this sounds amazing it's exactly what we're looking for and they go hey you just need to get the cfo across the line yeah uh what's the how do, how do you have that conversation do you do you try to go down the hey i think this will increase creativity that is likely to keep you with competitive advantage you know there might be a paper here where, where do you go i have got stats and case studies and figures like a massive black book of these things that I use to get that over the line. Uh, and it's not, it's not even manipulation or cajoling. No. It's just the brutal truth. You know, mm. there are so many there and, and increasingly so every day that, that creative employees are engaged employees, engaged employees take more ownership. They use more initiative. They're more innovative. They work better together. They're more high performing. They're more resilient. They look out for each other. They're more empathetic. Um, they make smarter choices in the moment. Yep. And then all of that delivers more return. Yep. You know, I mean, it's... They churn yeah. less. They have less sick days. They all inspire others. Yeah, all, that, all those kinds all of things. All of that stuff, yep. yeah. And, and again, you know, what's fascinating, even if it's like, like anything, you know, I get it. You've always got to see an ROI, but also it's the risk. You're always managing risk. Well, this sounds a bit crazy. Well, we, we might just start off with one event and see how we go. And ironically... Um, the amount of times I've seen the, the staunch, you know, cynic, whether it's a CFO stereotypically or someone else within the organization, that's like, I don't think this will work here. That might be fine for those cooler companies. Those tech guys. But in this one, we're a bit different. Yeah. They're the ones that get up on the microphone at the end of the day and share about how they always had an aspiration to do X, Y, Z, or that they climbed to Everest base camp, but never told anyone yeah. or that they've, you know, They've been in love for 25 years, having their 25th wedding anniversary and they're about to fly their wife to Paris or something. And you're like, Tony, you're amazing. And then suddenly the whole world comes alive for the organisation because Tony gets it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah.
Uh, I think we, we talk a lot about uh, the people we're most interested in connecting with are um, HR leaders with an interest in business mm. and then business leaders with an interest in HR and interest yeah. in people. And, you know, I think that uh, appreciation that, you know, today's uh, most successful leaders who grow long-term value in their businesses and uh, create good outcomes for their people and their shareholders and their various stakeholders are the ones that get the value of building great teams and building Mm, good uh, good people. It's amazing. You know what, like just riffing on everything, I feel, this feels very self-indulgent, but I love podcasts, this is what it's about. (laughs) You know, I've I've got to talk a lot. But the, um, I really think there's an opportunity right now, I'm just listening to to this discussion, for new, for for unconventional people in organisations and managing that risk. There are people in the company, what I love most, a, a, a secret agenda of mine, that I'm always doing when I do either a program or just a keynote, you know, just trying to reach someone in, in an audience is to hit those two or three people, whether it's in an audience of a thousand or an organization of a thousand or whatever, that they've got something special to give and they just have always not felt like they fit in. But if you could tap their magic, if you could give them the confidence, if you could empower them, if you could make it okay and safe enough for them to share just a little bit of their magic, it's a game changer for the whole organisation. And they might dye their hair purple or they might say three words a year. You know, they, they might be, forget all the stereotypes. They just, they will surprise you. But yeah. we're sitting on this talent you know, I, it used to astound me. I used to think all the time, I wonder how many Jimi Hendrixes there are living in the suburbs that were never given a guitar. Yep. Millions. So, millions. Yeah. Because, and I see this all the time, because like, I'll get people up to play music when we're doing, you know, a leadership offsite or facilitating something. And if the amount of people will say, I haven't got a creative bone in my body. And by the end of the day, they've been, they've learned three chords on a guitar and they've written a haiku. And they think they're Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) They really do. But but that's joyful too, you know, like it's just that living under this story that you're not or that you're not welcome or that you're not or that you're not understood or that you're not valued. If we can Mm. tap into those people um, and the kind of leaders that we need in this new world, which is so... And the, the energy, the on? energy they bring to everyone around them, right? They're culture makers, so they're like the the ripples on a pond. You know, their energy starts going out, and it gets an, infectious, and it, it affects the person next to them, and then it affects the team that they're leading, and suddenly a, a huge uh, influence on an organisation. Exponentially, yeah. <clears throat> it's amazing. Yeah, I always think of. Uh, um, have you watched Suits, the program Suits? I never. I've seen two episodes. Everyone yeah. asks me that. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, and I think in, in that uh, business, they have a great example of a, of a culture maker, one of the lead characters, a lady called Donna. So she's, um, you know, she's not the high, high paid lawyer, um, but she's the person that gets how all the nuances work around the business. And yeah. she knows uh, when someone's falling off the wagon and when they're not, when they need a, need a lift and when they're not. And you, like, those are your most valuable people in the organization because if you don't have them, then it doesn't matter how, how good the uh, technical experts are in the, in the business. Uh, you don't have a business without people like that in it. hundred percent. There yeah. was, before I wrote this, the current book that I just released, um, I got halfway through another one called the cultural architect and it was the art and science of vibe design. And I'll probably mm-hmm. still finish it at some point, mm. but it was exactly that character. And it was, it was trying to, to de- define a role that I thought would be, would be essential for any organization moving forward, reporting directly to the CEO or maybe the HR, whoever, but their sole role is to design the vibe, to architect an atmosphere where they're they're picking up on all these subtle sensibilities and these relationships and these nuances of the humans working in the organization. And that's their role. Like they're masterful at it. And they're introducing people and they're connecting Mm. and they're organizing Mm. little barbecues and sausage sizzles and doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what they're doing until you take them away. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, this this doesn't feel any good. Yeah, Yeah, because Sandra's not here anymore. Yeah. Shit, I didn't know what she did. Mm. She's the glue, man. Mm. You know, and people are doing this already in organizations. It's just we're not really, we're not naming it 
yeah. and and paying them for it. This is above yes. and beyond what they're yep. being paid for. Yeah, 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 correct. They've normally got some kind of functional role which sits on a nice box on an organisation chart and then the real value that they add is nothing to do with that job that they're on the org chart for. It's all the stuff they do on the, do on the 100%. side. 100%. And I dare say that's probably 90% of your listeners. Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. They're they, going, yeah, that's, they me, that's, yeah, me. that's me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to be that vibe design person. Yeah. That sounds like a great job. Actually uh, getting paid and recognized for the, uh, the real work that I do. Oh my God. Wouldn't it be cool? It would be. It would be very cool. Um, so what's, what's in your future, Michael? What is, what's, uh, what do you, oh, I was going to use the word achieve, but I'm not sure that's the right, uh, the right context for a man, man of your um, <laughs> persuasion. Yeah. You know, what's, what's, what's in the future? What do, you, what do you still want to conquer? Well, so the book has just come out, which is, um, it's an interesting time to release a book, Everyday Creative, A Dangerous Guide to Making Magic at Work. And um, with that was really, the focus of that is to activate these people in organisations that think that they're not creative or that, that are, are sitting on this innate talent that needs to be unleashed. And, and there was a lot of, big wild plans to do tours, even to come over to New Zealand with the band to do a bunch of stuff to, to showcase that and, and bring that to, to companies. Um, so we're having to do a lot of that virtually now, which is mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, I'm doing the audio book with that right now and that's going to be full of music and stuff. So that's another project. Funnily enough, aside from all the, the, you know, creative leadership and culture development and whatever else, We've actually pivoted pretty hard as a result of COVID and built another company on the side called Pirate TV. Right. And it's around um, how, do we, how do we make the online experience better for organisations? How do we make, you know, we're all Zoom fatigue. But okay. how, can, how can we bring it, make it feel as engaging, as dynamic, mm -hmm. as TV? But mm -hmm. go even further than that, where it's not yeah. a performance, it's participatory. So we've been talking my language. Talking yeah, my language. Yeah, man. Well, we should talk. Yeah. Because um, we've done we've done a bunch of events already, and and um, we've got two shows that we've developed, and now we're talking to two large organisations about building a TV network within their organisation. Mm -hmm. So all of the comms that goes out, all of the communications that that goes org wide, um, are through TV shows. And that's very exciting. And we, we haven't really seen anyone else doing it in that particular mm -hmm. way. And this, my brother's a filmmaker. I've got, you know, background in the arts entertainment sector, a lot of media training. The other couple of guys are working with their creative directors. They've got, um, there's a motion graphics guy. There's some composers. There's, we've got a unique little unit of people that are like, oh my God, we can kind of do everything. We can yep. produce TV. And, but what I love most about it is that it's the, the viewers, the audience, the people on the other end of the screen are co-creating the content live in real time. And that to me, I mean, we could, that's another whole podcast of talking about of course. Yeah. a shift mm -hmm. in instead of a one-way message coming out from a CEO or an EGM or whoever. This is what we need you to do. Rah, rah, rah. And you get it once a year at the annual conference or maybe you get it quarterly in an email newsletter. Instead of that, what if you had a weekly update yeah. where you can talk to the, to the executive general managers, you can mm -hmm. talk to the to leaders of the business that, you, that work in another country mm -hmm. and you can engage and you can have your voice heard, the mm -hmm. immediacy, the real-time relevance of, of that kind of dialogue uh, and interaction between people, but it also looks sexy. And it's yeah, cool and it feels yeah. fun and it's mm. engaging. That's exciting me a lot. Mm. You know, and I think um, in terms of what to, yeah, what's exciting me uh, about what we're creating next and producing next, it's like, whoa, what if we could continue, just keep trying to make business more human and at the same time make it more radical, make it more fun, make it more creative and engaging so that people walk out feeling like Jimi Hendrix. On a Tuesday totally. afternoon. Yeah. Gold. And I think it's always a great question for organisations. You, you say to uh, leadership teams, oh, you know, what's the greatest assets of the business? And they always go, oh, our people, our people. They're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, nice condition response. <clears throat> and then you go, so 
outside of salary, how much money do you have set aside for people development compared to, you know, marketing communications with your customers and, and the like? And, you know, it's always this ridiculous ratio of going, we sit here saying our people are the most important thing, but actually we always just spend our money on our customers trying to get more dollars in the door. It's like, hey, I, oh, I, I, right. get, the value, I get the value of marketing, you know, that, that has to be done, but maybe if we just even up that balance a little bit more, you'd get a whole lot more uh, value from your people because ultimately they're the ones that do drive the value in your in your organizations so do we have you know does our industry or our kind of depart you know where we do our work in mm -hmm. hr the people mm -hmm. stuff do we have an identity crisis do we have something where we need to you know what can we do because for us it's a no-brainer i know for all of your listeners it's like yeah tell me about it when are we going to get some of those biscuits because we could deliver 10 times the return you know, I did an EVP for a big company last year. We made a video on this whole campaign and I did it kind of as a favor. I think it was 20 grand or something like that. I'll just throw figures out just yeah. for kicks. And then the same thing, they wanted the same thing. Marketing got a hold of it and went, oh my God, this is, we're going to do marketing for this. Instantly, it was four times the budget. And mm -hmm. they were like, look, we'll just start off with that. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> this is just backwards. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you have a whole company that is on board, that are being developed every day, that are growing, that are evolving, that are reaching and fulfilling their potential. Yeah. Marketing would take care of itself. Oh, totally. Totally. So, um, yes, yes, there probably is an identity crisis, but I think there's a, we're at a really cool time in uh, the evolution of what's, what's happening. I think we're, uh, you know, seeing more discussion around things like servant leadership, where you know leaders yeah. rather than barking orders down the chain are kind of going, "How can I help remove barriers? What can we do to help you be able to do your your jobs better?" Um, we're working with uh, lots of organisations that are valuing the development, particularly of their middle management layer. Mm. You know, we've always seen big dollars spent on the exec team. You know, which is nice. Uh, you know, by and large, it's not where culture happens. Culture happens in the middle of an organisation. So, you know, we're seeing some smart organisations invest in in that zone, which is is good to see. And, uh, you know, principally, you know, some of the things like agile. And mm. you know, I don't believe agile is the answer to everything, mm. unlike some uh, you know proponents. Um, but I think the fact of trying to get closer to your customer and let's try and remove remove the traditional barriers and things that stand in our way of actually delivering what our customers need. Mm. And if you bring that with an internal focus as well, you know, how can we get out of the way so our employees can do a great job? Mm. So our team members can do a great job. I think that uh, yeah, I'm I'm starting to see see that happening. And I think there's also um, you know we see this term used the future of work. Mm where I think the the traditional business model of the organization chart we picture with the board and the CEO and, you know, kind of down in the big uh, uh, pyramid, um, I think that's going to change out. I think we're going to see many more organizations looking to bring um, a fit-for-purpose expert in to help deliver a project or an outcome, mm. and then they'll take their expertise to the next organization and we'll stop trying to employ generalists so much. Yeah. Where we kind of go, hey, you need to do it, do everything. So, um, look, I think it's starting. It's starting to move. You know, mm. plenty of it's <laughs> plenty of uh, plenty of runway to uh, to go down. But yeah, mm. I'm starting to see some some good things. And Great. fundamentally, it'll be those organisations that create competitive advantage in the market mm. and uh, you know survive longer. If you if you keep doing business the way it was done, even probably ten or fifteen years ago, um, mm. you're going to struggle. It's great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Mm. So, um, give us a quick uh, insight, Michael. The the book Everyday Creative. Mm -hmm. You know, what was the what was the inspiration for you to put in the the hard yards around writing that? Because we know that a uh, for most people, book writing is even if it's a passion, it still comes with a lot of lot of hard yards. What uh, what was the start, and how did you keep going? I can recommend writing a book too. You know, as hard as it is, uh, the the process and who you are. It was a great reminder because for me, there's always been creative projects. So whether it's an album or whether it's an event or a festival or a tour or whatever it is, um, a book is very similar. It's a, it's a long, meaty project that will not come to fruition unless you go through a personal transformation. I love these big creative projects. And that's part of the book really is, is helping people come back to the, making this, these type of things part of their life. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in a grind, we're working, we've never got time for creativity. 
We've, we've all got a mixed up story about creativity. We have a dysfunctional relationship to it. We think that we don't have it or it's exclusive or our system genetic. is the creative one. Yeah, yeah, yeah or it's yeah. genetic, right. all of that yeah. stuff. And, and this book is really trying to address the root cause of that and go back to, well, look, here's a bunch of science that tells you it's not true. Here's a bunch of case studies of people that have found their way back, you know, and that, that look and feel just like you. And here's a really, uh, here's a set of, of practices, you know, the courage to seek, the courage to feel, the courage to make and the courage to give. And if you focus on, you know, a spirit of curiosity, of just being furiously fascinated by the world around you, if you really tune into your, how you feel about things and your sensory awareness and aesthetic intelligence, uh, if you have a bias for action where you just, yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll jump in just like a five-year-old would. I'll play, I'll build, I'll make, I'll make. And then whatever you learn, whatever you create, don't judge the value of it because it's not for you. Just give it away. If you get in this process of seeking, feeling, making, giving, seeking, feeling, making, giving, you will arrive somewhere very different in your life and in your career. You will end up somewhere that you, that you wouldn't in your wildest dreams have imagined and yet it feels very familiar. Which, and, and this is speaking very anecdotally in my own experience. Like to, to think that I started in jazz in Adelaide and have somehow Jazz capital up, of the world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I, you know, I owned a beach bar in Cambodia. You know, I built a geodesic dome in the jungle. I lived over there for a couple of years. Went all through South and Central America. I've been all through Africa. I was a nanny in the UK. I um, worked in an innovation hub. Then I ended up speaking at conferences now. I've written books and I'm getting paid to travel the world to design leadership programs and big events for businesses bringing bands, you know, to, to accountants and financial advisors and, and pharmacists. It's freaking radical. And that's not, there's no way that I could ever have planned that. It's just by making things and giving them away and being curious and feel, how does this feel? Let's make it feel different. Let's make it feel this and such a simple practice. And if you do it consistently over time, you just, you know, you never know where it will take you. And I think, if I jump to the end of the book, which is, uh, I'll give the game away. There's, it's, it's the final chapter is when your calling comes calling. And ultimately, when you start re-engaging with that voice in you, that is still there, even if you haven't heard it in a very long time, or even if you've never heard it, there's a voice in you that is dying to come out. And we need it. We need it to come out because I can't get where I need to go in my life unless you, Ryan, get where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And so our paths, our destinies, our journey our contribution to humanity or to, to the universe is inextricably linked and we can partner on that and we can support each other in that, in that journey in that game of self-actualization. So it's, it's helping people really simply just get back to the joy of, Hey, what do you love? What do you want to create? What makes you come alive? Why not try a bit of that at work? And if you bring more of that at work, you just never know. You might arrive one day at a place which says, aha, uh-huh. Now I know what I'm supposed to do. Now I know what I'm here for. And that's, the, that's going to be the next book. <laughs> yeah, like it. And, and I think that's a, a significant journey for, for most people to kind of figure that, that stuff out. Uh, but I, I see some um, small steps on, on the way. And I, I had a situation yesterday. Um, someone was talking about uh, developing a, a team member and an employee. And uh, her approach was, I'm going to go and lock myself in a room. I'm going to figure it out. And then I'm going to go and tell them what, what, what I've discovered. And I said, oh, have you, have you considered just sitting down with your team member and having a chat about, you know, their insights and what they want? And she's like, that's such a great idea. I love it. That's great. <laughs> such a great idea. And like, you know, and, and that's a, you know, very micro example of what yeah. you're, you're talking about, but yeah. Hey, let, let's have some conversations with our team members. Don't feel like because you're in the leadership position that you have to have all the answers. Oh, Actually God. the, the people around you will have much better ideas than you. You just have to ask them some good questions. Couldn't agree more. You know, I had to write an article yesterday on curiosity and, and a big part of it was uh, humility. You know, when, when a big piece of, of being curious is to accept that you don't know the answers. And for leaders, that's hard. You know, there's this implied narrative that once you become a leader, you're supposed to know everything. Mm. But particularly in the world right now, the environment that we're in, there's no way you can know everything. It's changing so fast. Yeah. So being 
being all about just curiosity about learning what can we take from this i don't know do you know what do you think let's let's jam together what can we cook up together yeah. you're you're going to move so much faster yeah. you know you're going to arrive at places that are so much more diverse and interesting and mm. unique and that's what your employees that's what your customers want they want to be surprised and delighted yeah yeah and uh knowledge is not the monopoly anymore right mr google will always know more than any of us 100 right? <clears throat> percent. Yeah. so it's then how do we how do we take the knowledge that we now have access to so easily mm. and uh do something valuable with it for you know for us our for our teams for our communities for the mm. for uh, everyone around us Great. Hey, um, we're definitely going to have to have an offline chat because you've sparked a whole lot of thought and Amazing. some uh, projects and people that I, I need to connect you with, which would be, uh, would be awesome. Um, tell us, Michael, where can we get a copy of The Everyday Creative? Uh, so my website, michaeldixon.com, M-Y-K-E-L-D-I-X-O-N.com. And also the book's got its own website, everydaycreatives with an S.com. A right. uh, bunch of fun stuff. And actually the, in, in the book, there's a, another there's a VIP section of the book website where there's a stack of extra content, bonus content, interview with the people I featured in the book. There's worksheets and the whole process is mad as it's growing and people, there's all these activities. So people are sending in, you know, their manifestos, their photos, what they're doing. And it's, it's populating and growing. It's, it's a real little underground community starting to build in there. So definitely awesome. come and say hi. Love to connect with more Kiwis. Yeah. Indeed. Amazing. And outside of your um, website and, and nice work getting your own uh, .com URL. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, where else can we connect? Can we connect you on LinkedIn, you on all social the media? Where, yep. Yep. Love LinkedIn. Again, just Michael Dixon is the, is the handle on all of them. Okay. And um, yeah, always on LinkedIn, always putting lots of videos and, and funky fun things up there. So yep. would love but to we, connect. But we won't be able to uh, connect with you on social media while you're at the gym because you'll be engaging in a real That's conversation true. with some real people, right? I will be present. I will be yeah, talking to real people, even if it's only myself in the mirror. I will not be looking at the screen. <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm sure you won't be the only one uh, talking to yourself in the mirror at the gym. <laughs> you know, it's reasonably, reasonably common from what I've observed. Oh, God. It's, it's more like it, it's, it's, I'm probably six months away from a joyful conversation with a mirror. <laughs> That's okay. Progress, not perfection. That's one of my right. Favorites. That's good. Good on you for getting back there, um, and and returning after the uh, the day when you couldn't move your arms. That's going back right. again. That that shows some uh, consistency of, of effort. Uh, hey, look, Michael. I'd like to acknowledge you for uh, you know challenging our thinking um, for the work you're doing out there with organisations and leaders. Uh, you're absolutely an, an inspiration. Um, the willingness to have a crack at things, uh, being prepared to fail, not always having to be a perfectionist at everything that you do, um, but getting to people to connect at a, at a real level. It's, it's fantastic work and really acknowledge you for doing that. And thanks for joining us on the show That's today. That's beautiful, man. And can I acknowledge you for that acknowledgement, but also just for you for being another, another beautiful human warrior out there that is bringing magic and beauty and connectedness and trying to lift you know, lift the culture of the planet into a place that we all, we all desire and deserve. Because this, I mean, it's been such a beautiful conversation for me and, and it's such a thrill to be on. But to hear the work that you're doing and the way that you're going about it is, um, it's, it's, it, it keeps me so hopeful. It restores my faith. Like, man, there's so many of us out there doing amazing work that are, that are doing podcasts and that are doing books and shows. And, and it's like... Um, we're all connected, so it's such a thrill to connect and, and yeah, can't wait for the next one. Indeed. Hey, thanks, Michael. It's been a joy. Have a great day. You too, man. <laughs>